Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. WABC New York and 1071 WLIR Hampton Bays. It's the 77 WABC News Hour. Talking the news with Noah Layden. All the news you need to know with Joe Nolan, Traffic, Justin Ellick, Sports. And now, talking the news with Noah on 77 WABC. Yep, that's me. Good morning. It is Wednesday, January 10th. Your forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. We start the day off warm. We're in the 50s now, but the temps will slide into the 40s by the afternoon. We're going to see the sun, by the way, the high 55, though this afternoon it'll be 45. So it's a little confusing. And then tonight and overnight, a few clouds, low 38. And then Thursday, sunshine, high 47. If you are walking out the door right now, it is 52 and cloudy in Havistraw up in Rockland County, 54 and cloudy in East Brunswick down in New Jersey. And it is 53 and I'll say misty here in Midtown. All right, we made it essentially through that uh, storm that blew through. About two to three inches of rain fell from yesterday until early this morning. Some of you who are listening us to us out on WLIR out in the Hamptons, you might be seeing some rain. Some of you up in Rockland County may see some drops. The rest of us, though, it's just going to be kind of a windy morning, and you'll get to walk outside and see what kind of mess is left for you. And I can tell you from driving in, and I don't have a long drive, but from my short drive in, there was tons of stuff lying in the street just from all the wind. And no doubt you heard the pounding of the wind and the rain last night. The most intense part was between, let's say, midnight and 3 a.m. for most of you. Now, of course, the fear that this is all sort of moving out. You have some power outages, and then it's these rivers again. And it's mostly in New Jersey. They're going to worry about them cresting, overflowing their banks. This is uh, definitely true at the Passaic River, uh, in Fairfield, in Patterson, in Little Falls. They're all watching the river closely, and they do crest. It's usually a couple days later. In Lodi last night, there were people out and about, and, uh, you know, it was intense for a couple hours. We're kind of used to it over here. So once it does this, you know what streets to take, what streets not to take. But Yeah, so a lot of streets, no doubt, and we'll find out from Joe Nolan in just a few moments, are shut because, uh, and most of them are in the normal places, by the way, where they normally flood. And they don't want you going through. The barriers are up. So the commute may take a little bit longer than it normally does. In Jersey City, the uh, wind and rain was uh, tipping over some trees. It was flooding out some streets there as well. It's terrible. This wind is crazy. But you're still out. I am running back as we speak. And uh, pray that my apartment that I moved into recently is not in the flood zone. Now, amid all this, you had this crazy moment last night at Floyd Bennett Field. Floyd Bennett Field is where they sent up that tent city for 2,000 migrants, of all those migrants that have come here from the U.S.-Mexico border. They had been warned time and time again from lawmakers in Brooklyn not to set up this tent city at Floyd Bennett Field. It floods too often. And so last night, 
they said, wait a minute, these winds may be strong enough to knock over these tents. So all of a sudden, they had to move 2,000 of these migrants, uh, 500 families in all, to James Madison High in Midwood so they weren't in these tents in case they tipped over. So we're not going to take risks with families, with children, or with anybody in our care. Worst of the weather that we're really sort of preparing for is really between midnight and 2 a.m., that's the period where we're going to have high winds. Yes, yeah, so apparently the forecasters told them, you better get them out of there when they saw how high the winds were. There were wind gusts as high as 50 miles per hour last night. So as a result, the migrants were moved into James Madison High. The kids who go to James Madison High in Midwood, they're going to be all remote today uh, as they uh, because the migrants won't be out in time. We're doing this out of an abundance of caution. Yeah, I mean, look, smart to move them out. But, of course, the lawmakers in that community say you should have never moved them in in the first place. The last minute evacuation, uh, this from the Legal Aid Society, proves that Floyd Benefield is a facility that's in a flood zone and should miles away from schools and opportunities for the migrants. And they say they never should have been sent there in the first place. You had the comptroller last night, Brad Lander, saying the move uh, in the last moments to move these migrants out highlights the mismanagement and waste of money that he says is all too present in City Hall's approach to the migrants who are here. So uh, just a wild moment there at Floyd Bennett Field last night. And then, of course, for the rest of us, we were just wondering if the power was going to stay on. PSENG, they brought in about 400 workers from outside of New York just in case the power did go out. The winds of that magnitude uh, can take an entire tree down or large limbs, which causes our lines to be impacted, causing outages to our customers. Yes, we saw that. Uh, There are some trees, limbs down no matter where you go today. Looking at the power outages across the tri-state right now, it is about 40,000 people who lost power between New Jersey, New York, Long Island, Westchester. Uh, None of that surprise when you felt the winds last night. Westchester County Executive George Latimer, he's urging people to be careful this morning because there's a lot of flooded out streets there. Uh, most of our roadways, our parkways in Westchester County are built along rivers. That's why they call it the Sawmill River Parkway, the Hutchison River Parkway. So all of those parkways are subject to flooding. And they always do flood when there's rain, and there was a lot of it last so, night. And if you get wind, then you get power outages. We're working with Con Edison and NYSIG to be prepared for that. Follow the, the road rules. If we close a road because there's water, don't try to go through it. Guys do try to do that all the time, and we have to go save them. Yeah, there's always some dope who does do that. In uh, East Elmhurst, Queens... They're used to this drill as well. The flooding uh, happening. Uh, it was a lot of rain last night, so we're seeing some ponding flooding there. We put a board by the door so nothing from the alley could start seeping in. Now, inside the house, we put flood barriers by the shower, the toilet. But the worst of it, for sure, is going to be in New Jersey when these rivers start to crest. Patterson Mayor Andre Sayas has his community preparing for what may happen in the next 24, 48 hours. You're going to see trucks out there as well. You're going to see... Well, if necessary, you'll see these high water vehicles eventually, and hopefully you won't see the boats tonight. Yeah, so we were checking in with the utility companies this morning. They do have these people who they brought in from out of state. It's a storm, so it's all hands on deck here. So we are we are ready. That's a spokesman from PSE&G down at Atlantic City Electric. They also brought in extra people. Increased staffing. Um, in the field, including tree trimmers, our line workers. Yeah, so we'll watch the numbers. Right now, I say about 40,000 across the tri-states. That's all of New Jersey, New York, um, Long Island, Westchester, about 40,000 without power at this hour.
Joe at the uh, height of this last night when the wind was really pounding oh. and I could hear it on the windows. Yeah. My wife, uh, I was sleeping. I fell back to sleep. My wife woke me up and she said, is it possible that the roof could fly off? <laughs> and I was well, like, I, I don't think so. But she goes, I don't know. I'm hearing these wild creaking sounds from the roof. So and then, of course, she falls back to sleep and all I can think of, oh, the roof might blow off. You know? no, that's so. all you think about now for the rest of the day. Yeah, of course. But d- we have a we have a creek. It's not really a creek. It's a brook um, that runs by our house. And it feeds into the Rawway River down in Cranford. And last night, you could, it's usually just this little babbling brook. It's usually not that big of a deal. Looked like Colorado River last night. Wow. I mean, it just, uh, it, it had to be about three feet deep and just rushing, rushing water. You could actually hear it inside the house. And it's probably about 80 yards away from the house. So. I, you know, I, my fear is the worst of this is really going to be in the next couple of days when these rivers yeah. spill over. And I think it's going to be more than just the Passaic River. Yeah, oh, so, yeah, no doubt. Yeah, so we'll be watching that, of course. Thanks, Joe. All right. The um, the weather, not only bad here, by the way, uh, Florida, you know, all across the country, you've been in this kind of wild weather system over the last couple of weeks or so. Florida hit by severe weather, line of storms blowing through the state. There were some uh, tornadoes as well. We know that there have been at least four tornadoes that have touched down in the panhandle. That's Governor Ron DeSantis. Uh, seven people injured in a tornado west of Tallahassee storm damage reported in Panama City and Tallahassee. About 87,000 people lost power by noon yesterday. We have also deployed Florida Highway Patrol troopers to the Panhandle who are actively escorting critical equipment and personnel into impacted areas. Yeah, and by the way, there's another storm behind this. Not nothing as bad as this one was overnight. Um, but uh, come Saturday, Sunday, we're going to get more rain. Five eleven. Let's go down to Washington. The Pentagon says Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin was admitted to the ICU with complications from a treatment for prostate cancer. Secretary Austin currently remains hospitalized at Walter Reed National Military Medical Center and is in good condition. Pentagon spokesman Pat Ryder says Austin was diagnosed with prostate cancer in December, underwent a minimally invasive procedure to treat and cure it, but days later, he was admitted to Walter Reed with complications from the procedure, including nausea and seer a severe abdominal pain. Ryder says he's still in the hospital, expected to make a full recovery. This comes, as, of course, as Austin is facing a ton of criticism as his hospitalization was not reported to top defense officials or the White House until days later. He was admitted to Walter Reed National Military Medical Center and underwent a minimally invasive surgical procedure called a prostatectomy to treat and cure prostate cancer, including nausea with severe abdominal hip and leg pain. Initial evaluation revealed a urinary tract infection. He's progressed steadily throughout his stay. His infection is cleared. He continues to make progress, and we anticipate a full recovery, although this can be a slow process. I guess the thought here was he didn't want everybody knowing his business, but the fact that the White House did not know, the White House says no, there's not going to be any punishment, at least for now, for not reporting that he was in bad, such bad shape. Uh, 512, let's stay in D.C., a federal appeals court Considering whether Donald Trump is immune from prosecution on charges, he illegally tried to overturn the 2020 election. During a hearing yesterday, the appeals court judge, Florence Pam, asked Trump lawyer John Sauer whether a president should be immune for having taken a bribe or ordering SEAL Team 6 to murder a political rival. There's a political process that have to occur under our, the structure of our Constitution, which require impeachment and conviction by the Senate in these exceptional cases. If Sauer uh, argued 
that Trump has immunity in the case because he was acting in his capacity as president. Prosecutors urged the court to reject Trump's effort to dismiss, dismiss the case. They were much more concerned about the abuse of the criminal process for political purposes to disable the presidency from factions and political opponents. So Donald Trump was in the courtroom for these arguments and he spoke afterwards. And if you don't, as an example of uh, this case where lost on immunity and I did nothing wrong, absolutely nothing wrong, I'm working for the country. He says if he does not get immunity, it could open Pandora's box to political prosecutions. Very unfair when a political opponent is prosecuted by the DOJ, by Biden's DOJ. Yeah, he's accusing President Biden of using the Justice Department to try and stop him from becoming president again. It's the opening of a Pandora's box, and that's a very, that's a very sad thing that's happened with this whole situation. Uh, when they talk about uh, threat to democracy, that's your real threat to democracy. WABC News Time 514 out to Iowa. Hundreds of Iowa high school students calling on Governor Kim Reynolds to pass stricter gun laws. 18-year-old Trey Jackson, he's with this group called March for Our Lives. He helped organize a statewide walkout yesterday. This all responds to that school shooting that took place last week. After East, you said, my heart's breaking. I give all my prayers. After the starts right here, you give prayers. After Perry, you give prayers. After none of these, did you actually give action? Students across the state taking part in the walkout, including from Des Moines, Iowa City, and the Quad Cities. This follows that shooting that took place in Perry. 18-year-old Trey Jackson with the March for Lives helped organize the walkout. No response so far from the governor, Governor Kim Reynolds. 515. Let's head over to the 77 WABC Sports Desk, and here's Justin Ellick. Thank you, Noah Maledin. Start here on the hardwood at the Garden. The Knicks remain unbeaten since newcomer OG Ananobi arrived in town, beating the Portland Trailblazers 112-84 and wrapped to their fifth straight win. Ananobi scored 23 points, his most since coming to New York. 16 of those coming in the first quarter when the Knicks opened a 19-point lead. That would grow to 39 in the third. Ananobi might have approached his season high of 29, also at MSG, while playing for the Raptors last month. But starters didn't need to play much in the second half. Julius Randle added, added 20 points, 8 assists, and 7 rebounds for the Knicks, who moved a half game ahead of Miami, Indiana, and Cleveland for fourth place in the Eastern Conference at 22-15. and 15. Quentin Grant scored 17 points, and fellow reserve guard Miles McBride had 16. The Knicks will enjoy an off day today before visiting the Mavericks in Dallas. Tomorrow night on the ice in Elmont, the Islanders return to action only to get beat up on by the Vancouver Canucks. Final score there, 5-2. to two. Brock Nelson scored both goals for New York on the power play uh, at about the 11-minute mark of the second after Vancouver had a 3-0 lead and at the 15-minute mark of the third. Nelson has a team-leading 19 goals this season. The Isles will get a, uh, a breather today before welcoming in the Toronto Maple Leafs Tomorrow night, and finally out of the NFL, the chopping block is in full effect as the Tennessee Titans have fired head coach Mike Vrabel after back-to-back losing seasons. And although he might have had trade value to other teams with a head coaching vacancy, the team's owner said she did not want to wait out such a scenario. Vrabel led Tennessee to four consecutive winning seasons after arriving in 2018, but the Titans have experienced back-to-back frustrating seasons, finishing multiple games under 500 both times. He got to Tennessee to back-to-back AFC South championships in 2020 and 2021, and the Titans earned the number one seed in the AFC in 21. 
The same year, Vrabel was named NFL Coach of the Year. He finishes his Titans tenor with a 54-45 and record, was 2-3 and in the postseason, including in 2019 when he led Tennessee to the AFC Championship game. They finished 6-11 and this season. Did you see those pictures of uh, Wink Martindale at the airport yeah. yesterday? Yeah. 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 He's already looking for another job. Well, of course. And he'll, he'll get one. Because he's a good defensive coordinator. And, uh, and be- he's the greatest name. You, do you know? I don't know. You're probably not older. Do you know who Wink Martindale is besides the guy who was the defensive coordinator of the Giants? Uh, no, I don't. Wink I Martindale don't. was this great game show host in the 70s and the 80s. <laughs> Wait, so, really? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Really? Right? Lou can confirm it. Very famous <laughs> yeah, game show host. I'm not the same guy, right? No, 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 no. Can't be the same guy. Whenever I see his name, that's the first person I think of. Is that what a game name? Show I mean, it can't, but his first name can't actually be Wick. It's got to be something else. Uh, Wink, I, Wink that has I to be. But the game show host, I think, his real name was Wink. <laughs> yeah, I think it was too. <laughs> because how could you host a game show? I don't know. The Wink's Wink's name Wink? Greatest uh, game show host name <laughs> ever, right. Wink Martindale. Uh, look him up. Okay. That's Fine. your assignment. Yeah, go for it. <laughs> yeah, that's my homework. <laughs> History lesson. <laughs> WABC News Time 520. Let's go down to the U.S. Mexico border. The head of. Homeland Security lashing out at Texas Governor Greg Abbott, who's been busing illegal immigrants to sanctuary cities like Chicago and, of course, here to New York. The unilateral action when one deliberately does not communicate and collaborate wreaks havoc. Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas furious that Texas is not uh, collaborating with other states when it comes to moving migrants to date. More than 100,000 people have been bused here to the Big Apple. Another 30,000 sent to Chicago. The Democratic mayors, of course, of both cities complain they cannot handle the flow. We work best when we all work together to address a shared challenge. What is important is for one state official to collaborate and to communicate with other state officials. Those comments coming as a rush of cold weather is freezing South Texas at a time when there's been this huge surge of illegal immigration. Civil rights groups worry about people wading through the Rio Grande only to emerge soaked on the other side with no help. There is already a risk crossing the river because it's very dangerous terrain, but to add the freezing cold weather, people can literally experience that. You Denise know? Molina's with the Texas Civil Rights Project. She says the razor wire needs to be removed so migrants don't freeze. Over the weekend, a migrant mother, four children rescued from the river near the Texas border town of Eagle Pass. My major concern is that we're going to continue to see more people, you know, suffer injuries, their health affected. Texas is using the barriers to deter people, but it's it's obviously doing the opposite. 522 down to Atlanta, Georgia, where Vice President Kamala Harris was yesterday for a roundtable discussion about protecting voting rights. We have seen in the state of Georgia, by example, of what is happening in the country, anti-voter laws, laws that have limited drop boxes, have made it illegal to even provide food and water to people standing in line often for hours. The Democrats really want to hold on to Georgia and the race for the White House in 2024. Uh, this is her 10th time that she's been uh, to Georgia over the last three years. When we look at the state of Georgia, in many ways it is ground zero on this issue, both in terms of Georgia's history of fighting for the right of people to express their dreams and goals for their country through the exercise of their right to vote. WABC News Time 523 over to Israel. U.S. officials are calling accusations of genocide against Israel meritless. Those who are attacking Israel continue to openly call the annihilation of Israel 
and the mass murder of Jews. Secretary of State Antony Blinken there, he was in Tel Aviv yesterday. He says this whole genocide case against Israel is just a distraction that comes as the International Court of Justice is going to hear a case brought by South Africa accusing Israel of committing genocide against Palestinians in its war on Hamas. Blinken, meanwhile, says the U.S. is urging Israel to scale down that military operation and reduce civilian casualties in the Gaza Strip. He's also calling for the release of the hostages still being held by Hamas today. We're intensely focused on bringing the remaining hostages home. The submission against Israel to the International Court of Justice distracts the world from all of these important efforts. The charge of genocide is meritless. We agreed today on a plan for the U.N. to carry out an assessment mission. It will determine what needs to be done to allow displaced Palestinians to return safely to homes in the north. Blinken in Israel, so was a bipartisan congressional delegation uh, that was in the Middle East. They returned home. Uh, Florida Congresswoman Debbie Wasserman Schultz, she was one of the members. It was Republicans and Democrats who were part of this mission. The United States Congress stands resolutely by Israel in her essential goal of eradicating Hamas as a threat. The delegation met with top officials, Israel, Egypt, Bahrain, Qatar, to ensure everyone understands the U.S. is prioritizing the release of the hostages and anyone with leverage should engage fully. We wanted to make sure that the Arab leadership in the region understands that the United States is making this a priority and it is bipartisan and we expect those with leverage to engage fully. Making sure that we can keep laser focused on releasing the hostages and bringing the conflict to an end when Hamas is eradicated. 30 Americans have been killed since the war began in October. Six are still being held hostage today. Russia launching ballistic missiles supplied by North Korea now into Ukraine. Multiple Ukrainian civilians were killed in the strikes and dozens were injured. Now, these strikes are horrific. They're inhumane. And they serve as yet just another reminder of the brutality of Mr. Putin's war. National Security Council spokesman John Kirby there. He says the missiles have been launched in recent days, violate multiple U.N. security resolutions. The foreign ministers of 47 countries, Secretary Blinken and the high representative of the European Union, have released a joint statement condemning the DPRK's export and Russia's procurement of North Korean ballistic missiles. WABC News Time 525. Let's bring it back home. Out to California. A California U.S. Navy sailor sentenced to 27 months in jail for accepting bribes of almost $15,000 to give China military information. Wen Heng Zhao was a petty officer at Ventura Naval Base in California. He admitted supplying a Chinese intelligence agent with sensitive information obtained at work. It included plans of a large training exercise in the Pacific, copies of operational orders and blueprints for a radar system in Japan. Zhao had faced up to 20 years in prison. He pleaded guilty in October to one count of conspiracy and one count of receiving a bribe. Andrew Wood, Hong Kong. 15000 doesn't seem like it'd be worth it to give away military secrets. NASA has announced delays for its upcoming Artemis II and Artemis III missions. The agency announced Tuesday launch of the Artemis II will be pushed back from this coming November to September of 2025. That mission features four astronauts who will orbit the moon. 
The Artemis 3 mission, which aims to put humans back onto the lunar surface, now has a September 2026 launch date. NASA says testing of spacecrafts to be used in these missions has uncovered some technical problems that will require more time to address. I'm Brian Shook. Now let's take a look at Wall Street. The uh, World Bank says the global economy is slowing for the third straight year, and a new report it projects global growth to dip to 2.4% from 26 in 2023. So the opening bell, it rings this morning following a mostly lower close on Wall Street. The three major indexes spent most of the session in the red, but a rebound in tech shares helped trim earlier losses at the closing bell. The Dow fell 157 points. S&P 500 lost seven. The Nasdaq rose 14 points. Talk Radio 77 WABC. It's the 77 WABC News Hour. Talking the news with Noah Layden. All the news you need to know with Joe Nolan, Traffic, Justin Ellick, Sports. And now, talking the news with Noah on 77 WABC. Yes, that's me. Good morning. It is Wednesday, January 10th. Your forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. So we're going to start this day off warm. It's really warm right now in the 50s. Temp's going to slide through the afternoon and we'll be in the mid 40s by this afternoon. We'll see the sun actually this afternoon. Uh, some wind. You might be seeing some residual rain, residual rain if you are out in the uh, east, uh, out in the east in the Hamptons, uh, up in Rockland County, seeing some showers. But the rest of us, this storm is going to move out. And then tonight and overnight, a few clouds, low 38, Thursday sunshine, high 47. If you are walking out the door with us right now, so happy you are. 52 and cloudy in Havistraw, up in Rockland County. 54 and cloudy in East Brunswick, down in New Jersey. 52 and cloudy outside our Midtown studios. All right, you made it through the storm. There is uh, some cleanup that no doubt a lot of you will have to do. Saw some branches and trees down on my short commute in today. Some streets, a lot of them that normally flood, are flooded out this morning. So definitely budget some time. If you're going to start your commute, you might have to make uh, some ways around those streets. And Joe's going to have all the details coming up in just a few moments. Uh, power outages, we're seeing a fair amount of them. About... Uh, 40,000 people without power across the tri-state. Most of those outages are in New Jersey, Long Island, New York City. Westchester, Rockland County seems to have been spared from those high winds tonight, uh, last night. Of course, we'll get into that, more of that, and some response to that as the morning wears on. We'll start this half hour, though, up in the Bronx, where a food pantry has actually run out of food over the last two weeks. It is a private organization called the Albanian American Open Hand Association. They've been around for a long time. They're on uh, the Pelham Parkway. They normally feed about 800 people a week. And um, uh, I should say they did feed about 800 people a week. That was pre-pandemic. Now they feed about 1,600 people a week. So you can imagine uh, how upset they are that they've just run out of money. They don't get public funding. It's all private funding. And the money is just dried up. And so people are still turning up to get food from them because they've gone there for years for help, and they have to turn them away. Very heartbreak and they turn people back, no food. People lining up here, and we told them people since early in the morning have no food today, no food, but still people waiting until last minute. 
These are people in pretty desperate situations. Uh, Despite the warning, many of the people who have used this food pantry for years still show up between 6 a.m. and 7 p.m., hoping for a miracle to happen, that another food shipment will arrive. But when you're living in it and you see see it and you live it for yourself, you have a more understanding of um, what it means to have these food pantries, having the basic necessities. So what we heard last night is uh, Congressman Richie Torres, he represents that area. He is uh, wiring the food pantry $5,000 to help them out, but that's only going to be short-lived. This, again, a private-owned organization that has helped people in the Bronx for really years, and uh, now they're asking for your help to help others out. There are a lot of hungry people out there, and... There's no food to give them. Yes, so if you want to help them out again, you can just do a little quick Google search. They will happily take some cash for you or food. The Albanian American Open Hand Organization up in the Bronx, again, running out of food. While we're in the Bronx, let's talk about that bazaar of vendors that are on Fordham Road. No doubt if you grew up in that neighborhood, have been there any time recently, It looks kind of like what the Brooklyn Bridge looked like until they cleared away all those vendors. Just all kinds of people selling all kinds of things, people looking for deals, whether it be clothing or food. Department of Sanitation, though, says it got out of hand, people leaving trash behind. So they started raiding and ticketing these vendors over the last week or so. Over the last couple of days, many of those vendors have found themselves uh, gone. They no longer can sell their wares. We are part of this community. This is where the money stays. It's through us. Terrible because she's a nice person. She got children in college, so her children eat off what she do out here. So a lot of these people, they just didn't have the license. You need a license from the city, a special license required for full-time permits. They only give out about 445 applications every year. And so Department of Sanitation came in and said, we got to clean this up. And there were a lot of people in the neighborhood who were upset, but there were others who say, no, you know, if you need a permit and um, we want to know what you're selling is good or the food is okay. Some type of law to um, help them out. And I just take their stuff because that's how they make their bread and butter. They have a chance to stay, but if they clean up after themselves, if they don't clean up after themselves, that's where sanitation has to step in because then they leave all their garbage out and then all the rats come. And that's the situation that we're going through. Yeah, that's been one of the that's been one of the biggest complaints over the last couple months. So uh, if you go to Fordham Road today, you won't see the craziness that you normally see. WABC News Time 539. We were scratching our heads in the newsroom yesterday as we were watching this video of these fights taking out, taking part between cops and members of the Chabad Lubavitch World Headquarters, the synagogue at 770 Eastern Parkway that's been there just for decades. And uh, now we're getting some more insight to what may have taken place there. No doubt you've probably seen these videos. They've gone viral. A group of what they say were extremist students had secretly broken through the walls of a vacant building behind the headquarters and had created an underground tunnel beneath a row of office buildings and lecture halls that eventually connected to the synagogue. Now, it's not clear that the people who run this building had any idea what these students were up to. And the only reason they were found out is people who lived in the other buildings next to the synagogue or walking by would hear strange noises in the middle of the night. And so they reported it initially to the police 
The police sent the fire department out. The fire department didn't find anything when they received this tip about it. But then um, when the police came in, they were told what was taking place about these students creating this tunnel. I mean, it was really a tunnel. And um, they came in to fill cement in because the synagogue wanted the tunnel to be filled in. And that's when the fight broke out between these group of extremist students and the NYPD who was trying to move them out so they could put cement into this tunnel. Part of the fear, by the way, was a structural one. It wasn't just that they had built this tunnel without asking for permission, but they were worried about the building itself with a tunnel that nobody knew about. It was very tragic, obviously. It bothers everyone. It's usually only one time a year that it's closed for a few hours, which is the eve of Passover, which they have to clear it out, clean out the place. Other than that, it's open 24-7, so it's kind of hurting. So when a cement truck was brought in to fill the tunnel, the men accused of standing in the tunnel and refusing to leave. And that's probably the video you saw, the mayhem. This is a site that's of uh, great importance for, uh, for Jews all around the world. And uh, we're looking forward to the decorum and sanctity to be restored. After officers removed one of the men from this tunnel, a group of onlookers could be seen shoving officers, tossing wooden desks, scattering prayer books. One officer appeared to deploy a spray at the jeering group. And so now this group, all um, between 19 and 21 years old, charged with criminal mischief, reckless endangerment. One was also charged with obstruction of governmental administration. Uh, These are all pretty serious charges. Everyone knows this is not the way the Torah wants us to behave. The Lubavitch World Headquarters temporarily closed now, pending this review of the structural integrity of the building. In fact, yesterday we saw watching on as people who normally pray there had to pray outside the building. New Jersey Senator Bob Menendez pushing back against the indictments against him for alleged corruption. He actually took to the Senate floor yesterday, speaking for about 20 minutes, claiming that he's innocent of all the charges against him. By filing three indictments, it allows the government to keep the sensational story in the press. It poisons the jury pool. And it seeks to convict me in the court of public opinion. The Democrat claims he's being persecuted by the federal law enforcement. The embattled senator denies charges. He allegedly worked as a foreign agent for Egypt and uses power to aid the government and cut her all in return. You saw probably for those gold bars that Mercedes Benz. He says none of that's true. The sensationalized allegations are now creating a rising call for my resignation, despite my innocence. He's claiming that we should wait until the trial begins before asking him to step down. He did not answer the question of where that new Mercedes-Benz came from or how those gold bars ended up in his house. The United States Attorney's Office is engaged not in a prosecution, but a persecution. They seek a victory, not justice. He also slammed increasing calls for his resignation, arguing that he should have his day in court first. Governor Hoko having her state of the state yesterday aiming to change the way reading is taught in schools, promote AI, artificial intelligence, and create more affordable housing. Those were among the 2024 goals in the state of the state yesterday. If we as leaders fulfill our commitments and our promises, then this is the dawning of a new day. 
Hoko also proposing first-in-the-nation prenatal leave that would expand the state's family leave policy. She also wants to provide more access to safe swimming and wants a dedicated state police smash-and-grab unit to combat retail theft, which is just out of hand. Will be the birthplace of countless new startups, spinoffs, and the technological advancements that benefit everyone. Just imagine the possibilities. So until we address our housing shortage, many of our neighbors will continue to struggle financially. These attacks are nothing more than a breakdown of the social order. I say no more. The chaos must end. She's talking about the crackdown on organized retail theft that she says is now underway. 545, let's head over to the 77 WABC Sports Desk where we find Justin Alec. Thank you, Noam Layden. Start here on the hardwood at the Garden. The Knicks remain unbeaten since newcomer O.G. Ananobi arrived in town, beating the Portland Trailblazers 112-84 and route to their fifth straight W. Ananobi scored 23 points as most since coming to New York, 16 of those coming in the first quarter when the Knicks opened a 19-point lead that would grow to 39 in the third. Ananobi might have approached a season high of 29, also at MSG while playing for the Raptors last month, but the starters didn't need to play much in the second half. Julius Randle added 20 points, 8 assists, and 7 rebounds for the Knicks, who moved a half game ahead of Miami, Indiana, and Cleveland for fourth place in the Eastern Conference at 22 and 15. Quentin Grimes scored 17 points, and fellow reserve guard Miles McBride had 16. The Knicks will enjoy an off day today before visiting the Mavericks in Dallas tomorrow night. On the ice at Elmont, the Islanders returned to action only to get beat up on by the Vancouver Canucks. Final score there, 5-2. to two. Brock Nelson scored both goals for New York. Uh, he has got a team-leading 19 goals this season. The Isles will get a breather today before welcoming the uh, Toronto Maple Leafs tomorrow night. And finally, out of the NFL, the chopping block is in full effect as the Tennessee Titans have fired head coach Mike Vrabel after back-to-back losing seasons. And although he might have had trade value to other teams with a head coaching vacancy, Team's owner said she didn't want to wait out such a scenario. Rainbow led Tennessee to four consecutive winning seasons uh, after arriving in 2018, but the Titans have experienced back-to-back frustrating years, finishing multiple games under 500 both times. He guided Tennessee to back-to-back AFC South championships in uh, 2020 and 2021, and the Titans are in the number one seed in the AFC in 21, the same year Vrabel was named NFL Coach of the Year. He finishes his Titans tenor with a 54-45 and record, was 2-3 and in the postseason, including in 2019 when he led Tennessee to the AFC Championship game. They finished 6-11 and this season. Somebody will pick him up, though, right? Yeah, for sure. I mean, he's, he's Coach of the Year three years ago, or oh. two years ago. He's totally going to, yeah. I mean, a, a lot of people, or most people are surprised they even... They even fired him. Yeah, it is surprising. And because, you know, I mean, there was trade value out there for him, but the thing with trading coaches is you got to make sure the coach actually wants to go or where you're trading them. That's true. Yeah. So that's Sports Gnome, and I'm Justin Ellick on 77 WABC. Okay, let's catch you up on the big stories of the morning. No doubt you felt that. Heavy-duty wind, the rain last night, especially bad between, let's say, midnight and 3 a.m. For most of us, the rain is gone. Waiting for daylight just to see how bad it is. On my short commute in from Jersey City this morning, definitely you know, trash cans flown everywhere, uh, branches down. So uh, flooding But most of the flooding, as you heard from Joe, is in places that normally flood. Now, of course, 
for so many people, especially in New Jersey, they'll be watching local rivers and streams, worried that they're going to overflow their banks. There's just been a lot of wet weather over the last month or so. Uh, people showing up yesterday, filling up sandbags, uh, putting them outside their homes in places like Fairfield and Patterson in Little Falls. Uh, they, a lot of these people were out last night. Here are some folks in Lodi. We're kind of used to it over here. So once it does this, you know what streets to take, what streets not to take. But Yeah, so in Jersey City, the wind and rain tipped over some trees, flooded out streets. But again, most of these streets were ones that just flood almost every time it rains. It's terrible. This wind is crazy. But you're still out. I am running back as we speak. And uh, pray that my apartment that I moved into recently is not in the flood zone. Yeah, well, I think if you're in an apartment, you're probably okay. Uh, Floyd Bennett Field, sort of a crazy moment there last night. You'll remember when they wanted to move the migrants to this tent city at Floyd Bennett Field. There was all kind of protests. Some of them led by our own Curtis Lee and Sid Rosenberg, others by local lawmakers who said, hey, this is a flood zone and it's not near any transportation. Why are you putting migrants there? But the city didn't listen and they built this tent city, 2,000 people, 500 families. So last night when the weather reports were coming in and they were getting reports of wind gusts of more than 50 miles per hour, there was a worry these tents that were set up, temporary ones, could blow over. So last night, they started moving all 2,000 of these people out of the tent city to James Madison High in Midwood, Brooklyn. So we're not going to take risks with families, with children, or with anybody in our care. Worst of the weather that we're really sort of preparing for is really between midnight and 2 a.m. That's the period where we're going to have high winds. And it was bad between midnight and 2 a.m. Now, they weren't worried about flooding. They were really most worried about these wind gusts. Some of them we saw last night were as high as 70 miles per hour. So... These families are now at the school in Midwood, James Madison High. They slept there overnight. We are doing this out of an abundance of caution. Yeah, and so uh, the kids who go to James Madison High, they're going to be all remote today. They won't be able to go to class in person. And lots of pushback against this. You had the Legal Aid Society saying this last-minute evacuation proves Floyd Bennett Field is in a flood zone, not near any schools or any services, and never should have served as a place to shelter families. You had the comptroller yesterday slamming City Hall, says the move highlights the mismanagement and waste of money that uh, Brad Lander says is all too present in City Hall's approach to sheltering and services for the migrants. Uh, and, of course, it's just uh, traumatic and disruptive for the families who are living in that tent city. All of a sudden, one moment they're there, and then they're rushed out the next moment on school buses last night and then let's look around the uh, tri-state how everybody handled this um PSENG bringing in about 400 extra workers from outside of New York to rewire people who lost power, and there were people who did last night. The winds of that magnitude uh, can take an entire tree down or large limbs, which causes our lines to be impacted, causing outages to our customers. Yeah, it did happen last night. Uh, Westchester County Executive George Latimer urging people to be careful this morning. You know, so many highways in Westchester County flood just when there's a little bit of rain, and there was about two to three inches last night. Uh, most of our roadways, our parkways in Westchester County, are built along rivers. That's why they call it the Sawmill River Parkway, the Hutchison River Parkway. So all of those parkways are subject to flooding. And he says, look, don't go around those cones. People always try to do this. There's cones set up and sometimes even a truck there to stop you from going down a flooded roadway. But there's always some dope who does it anyway. Follow the, the road rules. If we close a road because there's water, don't try to go through it. Guys do try to do that all the time, but we have to go save them. Yeah, they don't want to have to do that today. Uh, residents in East Elmhurst out in Queens 
say they've been through this flood drill before. Of course, they're worried. Uh, we did see some ponding, some flooding there last night. We put them board by the door so nothing from the alley could start seeping in. Now, inside the house, we put flood barriers by the shower, the toilet. Hopefully that worked for them last night. Patterson Mayor Andre Sea says his community preparing for what's going to happen now post-storm because the storm is slowly moving out. But they're on the Passaic River. You'll remember back in December they were flooded out by that. So many people, they're worried it's going to happen again. You're going to see trucks out there as well. You're going to see, well, if necessary, you'll see these high water vehicles eventually. And hopefully you won't see the boats tonight. Yeah, Passaic River could crest in the next couple of days uh, above flood stage. They say maybe even higher than it did back in December. PSCNG spokesman Katie Tatzel says um, those workers who they brought in are going to be put to work now. It's a storm, so it's all hands on deck here. So we are we are ready. Same at Atlantic City Electric down in Atlantic City. Increased staffing um, in the field, including tree trimmers, our line workers. So here's what we can tell you. Looking uh, within communication with some of these power companies across the tri-state, most of the outages we're seeing this morning are out in New Jersey, some 30,000. And then another 10,000 are scattered through Long Island, Westchester, uh, Rockland County. So uh, all these utility companies say they brought in workers from out of state worried actually it would be a whole lot worse. And so the thought is most of these people could have their power back on today. Of course, we'll follow this story as the morning wears on. No doubt when it comes to when the sun comes up or when it gets lighter this morning, you'll get a better sense of what the damage has been done to your neighborhood. Governor Murphy uh, holding his state of the state address yesterday, uh, outlining plans to provide medical debt relief and more affordable housing in the Garden State. And we will aim to build new housing options where they're needed most, not just anywhere, in locations that are close to jobs, transit yes. hubs. And Main Street businesses. Didn't mean to step on you there, Governor. He also highlighted the progress his administration has made in growing the economy, raising wages, cutting taxes for working families like the Anchor Program. I'm calling on our legislature to enact a new package that will help families avoid being caught in a medical debt trap and at the same time require every single medical bill to be clear and transparent. For the second year in a row, that program has put nearly $2 billion back into the pockets of more than a million and a half seniors and middle-class families. He's talking about that anchor program where you get uh, some money back from the state, uh, whether you're a renter or a homeowner. He's also talking about AI, artificial intelligence. With New Jersey's AI moonshot, our mission is for our state's top minds to pioneer a series of AI-powered breakthroughs over the next decade. Interesting. Both state-of-the-state addresses, one in New York, one in New Jersey, taking place on the same day.